Ugh. Ugh. Yeah, I would be kicking myself. I'm sure there's a lot of people who have all kinds of like 90s RPG supplemental materials that, you know, fucking lined their hamster cages with them. And now they're yeah. worth like $400. A, 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 a... Well, you know, what's crazy is that I actually like, you know, I was already kind of dorky when I was like a little kid, like seven, eight years old. And uh, one of my dad's friends. Unsurprising. Was... <laughs> yeah. Oh, is that a burn? One of uh, and one of my dad's friends uh, was just a nerd, but in the seventies, and so like the early seventies. So like I remember I went to visit as like a nine year old, and they were like that. My dad's friends' parents were like, take all this stuff that Joseph doesn't need, like had from his room, and it was like it was like all these 70 sci-fi paperbacks that are like now like super rare and like the D monster manual. I don't know, man. I just, I, I got it all in New Jersey. And then when we moved, I think we just tossed it or some shit like brutal. I, I'm such a bummer. That sucks. Yeah. 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 I mean, I think that a lot of that stuff is, I don't know. Anyway, the star Wars books, some of them are really good. Tales, the, the Tales from the Most Isolated Cantina is worth checking out. Tales from the Bounty Hunters is my favorite one, if only for the last story between... Uh, What's the last one? It's Boba Fett's story. And, oh, it's, okay. and it is a... I'm not exaggerating. Fucking... It is so much better than the backstory he gets in the fucking prequels. Where... Uh, like, I remember the, the backstory he gets in the prequels is so bad. And, you know... His dad kind of, gets his head cut off. Yeah, and then he's like, "I'm angry, and I'm Boba Fett now." I mean, I was always <laughs> Boba Fett, but now I I'm really now Boba I'm Fett fucking right now. Now I'm Boba Fett now. Yeah, <laughs> Boba Fett. Like in I'm extra. Yeah, yeah, Boba Fett. And that's I'm gonna name my movie. ship the fucking Slave. And the slave <laughs> one. The slave one. <laughs> <laughs> to be expanded upon. Yeah, in, exactly. the, in the book, didn't. He- didn't he wasn't he like really burnt or he had like no hair and he was like super ugly you're thinking of you're thinking of dwight from the walking dead are you thinking of you're thinking of dengar 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 was fucked up in the face yeah he was another yeah dengar in in a way is sort of like ghost from this book in that, <laughs> in that, in that okay seamless transitions segue gabe Show. In that story, Dengar is also chasing after a lost love. Okay, actually, so this kind of works. Name I think it's called, uh, I forgot what it's called, but yeah, Dengar is all fucked up in the face. He's the guy with the like Middle Eastern, like the um, Lawrence of Arabia. like. Head. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. All right. Um, should we get into it? Yeah. Yeah. Is, are we, so this is the welcome. We're on, baby. Let's go. Uh, <laughs> Welcome Matt, to the show. You're, you're the uh, pod. You're the you're the podcast pro. Oh God, fuck! I'm not usually the one spearheading this, but uh, welcome to the show. And uh, if uh, <laughs> today's book, fuck, fuck it up, is uh, Shella, and uh, this is Paul's pick. It's a sort of hard-boiled crime noir, uh, and uh, I guess we just have Paul explain why. Now, it how is do you pronounce this guy's name? This one in particular is it. Is it- Andrew Vax. Vax, right? Vax, like tax. That okay. Yeah, by Andrew Vax. I was definitely saying Vox the whole time. No. No. That's how I said it. This is the first book that I picked that was just 
like very, very random. I found it on the bookshelf and it was in the used section. And I was like, all right, this has a cool cover. I want to, I just wanted to like at least do one episode where I just had no preconceived notions of anything really. I just and wanted it turns to. Like, out it's the first episode. Yeah. So yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, you've been, you've been collecting Simenon and I'm assuming it was in that same basic area of the store. Actually, it wasn't. The Simenon novels like had kind of their own section and they, and the as other they part should. of the store. What? As they should. Transcendent. Yeah, there was like a, like a shrine there for Simenon books. It's kind of true, actually. Yeah. <laughs> but no, this one was just like in the section and I just, you know, I just opened it up and read a few blips here and there and like read the, the cover and was just like, all right. I might pick this one down the road and I picked it this last week. So it's ba- so it's a it's it's a sort of like noir it's not a detective novel but cuz there's but no. Vax has does have a detective series I haven't read any of those books. Um yeah, Detective Burke or I guess he's a private eye or something but this is not one of those. This is a standalone. This is more of a this is more of like an anti-hero type of thing. Yeah. Yeah. And I, I think this is also supposedly one of the first departures from the like, you know, PI private dick kind of. I think again, like I think it's one, yeah. Right, and people were like, "What the fuck? Where's Burke?" And didn't really like it, and I think uh, kind of panned it a bit. But, so 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 what's the basic outline here? It's a, it follows a, a guy who it turned named Ghost in the story slash John by yeah. which is the name he gets from his um, prostitute, you know, lover friend at the beginning of the story. And they get separated. He gets arrested and he goes to prison. And it's basically the story of him trying to find her once he's released from prison. Right. Yeah. Yeah, very and dry, very linear. I need to find her. Who can let me find her? Right. Who do I have to seek taken. out? That- <laughs> yeah. Yeah, it's taken. It's Max Payne taken. It's Max Payne taken. He has a very particular set of skills <laughs> with his hands. He has a, he has a very particular set of skill, and it's just a set of one. <laughs> <laughs> one skill. No, no, it's fine. One skill. And it's and it's using his hands to figure out like a ge- like a sort of idiot savant how to use various things and kill people. Right, and he has a pre- like a preternatural um, steadiness of hand, like he's like a fucking like neurosurgeon or something. Which, Does he have a do you, which, did huh? we get, did we get the impression that he had like an eidetic memory of some kind or some bizarre ability to like retain information? as well kind of i was like i don't know about information retention but there's definitely moments where he sort of you know it's it's like a it's like whatever the equivalent of that is but for physical memory for like muscle memory yeah he like does something once or twice and then he can do it perfectly from then on like shooting a gun or breaking a neck or whatever he's a hand genius He's, he's kind of like uh... <laughs> that yeah. was my nickname yeah. in high school. And why? Why was that? Because jerking off. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> I was gonna see which direction you take that one. Got you. 
Uh, and Gabe game masturbated. What did you guys think of it overall? I, I mean, I think it was my least favorite of my picks. Really? Yeah. Why is that? I don't know. I, I found it, even though I think it has an interesting premise, like Gabe, you said in the text messages earlier that it's like kind of a side character that uh, gets his own story and he's not like incredibly in interesting honestly but you get to like see this guy's one of his stories in his life so it's like you know it's a fine premise i thought i just didn't think it was like it didn't give me more than what i got out of like, the first 20 pages i thought it might go someplace darker than where it ended up um the writing was it was really easy to read but it was like kind of a stunted writing style that you couldn't get a lot out or I couldn't really get a lot out of it other I, than like descriptions and okay dialogue well I th I think this is this this falls squarely in a very particular type of genre uh which is where where I engaged it at once we started reading I was like right. okay it's like it's this kind of thing uh so yeah I mean like what you're describing stunted I think it's all sort of minimalist I think this was written in the 80s where that was like kind of also a bit in vogue Early like 90s, super laconic. I think, maybe. Yeah, I think it was early nineties. Okay. Never mind. But like, yeah, like just a the hard-boiled crime noir where the entire world is just this vicious place full of threats, and everyone speaks in super clipped, laconic right. sentences that, like, you know, sometimes sometimes it lands that they're kind of layered in threats and veiled meaning, and sometimes right. it's it's a bit of a gimmick which I understand is, can, can be boring. I, I liked, I actually liked the experience of this just because it was a big change of pace from our prior stuff, including my own choices. Yeah. Uh, what I, what I always get, I, I just don't understand people that like, this is like the sum total of their diet in terms of reading is. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I think like, I didn't, I didn't mind the writing style so much. I mean, it, it was sort of, you know, and I don't know if this was you were this is what you were referencing, Matt, but it's sort of like the um, obviously taken to another even another degree, but it's like, you know, it participates in the same sort of tradition of like James Elroy or somebody where it's it's very like, you know, there's like sentence fragments and it's all chopped off. It's very like obviously it's a little bit less um, sort of like news newsprint than that, right? Or like yeah, like um uh, uh cut, cut from the headlines cut from the headlines like film scripty than elroy is um but i i i think that it's participating in that that same history and i thought you know again i thought it was uh you know sort of a visceral experience to read because it was all just coming so fast and i was just like churning through it um but I enjoyed it. I enjoyed it from that perspective of, of the actual experience of reading it. I mean, in terms of the the story, I kind of had the opposite experience of you, Paul. I was I was like not enjoying it for the first 50 pages or so. And I was just like, okay, we're just, it's just a guy and his like prostitute girlfriend that he occasionally works with to, you know, shake down Johns for money in a hotel room talking to each other, but not really saying anything, right? Like that was the first 50, 60 pages or so. Um, 
I didn't really get into it until he goes to see the 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 sort of like low level crime the uh, the Monroe character who's a sort of like low level crime boss who we we get the the sort of backstory that he has previously hired John to do assassinations for him in the past. Um, and I thought that's when I, it's really started getting interesting for me, both from a, the story perspective, but also from the perspective of like expanding the world a little bit and getting a sense of like where, uh, what the context this guy exists in is. Well, I was thinking a lot of, uh, I don't know if you, either of you are familiar with, uh, I, I've only read the comic adaptations, but it's called Parker. Never heard of uh, it. It's by this guy named Richard Stark, but um, they were adapted by uh, Darwin Cook into these like sort of graphic novel things. Uh, Darwin Cook <clears throat> like did like, I maybe, maybe the thing you would connect with is he did the, in, like the character design and like kind of intro portion of Batman, the animated series. Interesting. Uh, yeah, I like love, very I like that. interesting connection. Andrew Vax has a Batman novel that I think For real. Yeah, it's sort of like those uh, Star Wars <laughs> novels we were just talking about. He wrote like a Batman. It's not you know, it's like a Batman sponsored novel <laughs> where Batman yeah. like, goes to like this like war torn like fictional Asian country and like aids some guerrilla fighters it, against. It's very strange. Sounds very strange Didn't anyway. Yeah. Sounds pretty cool. But I mean, it's kind of of a piece because I feel like, like I said, it's of this almost like literary tradition and genre uh, where you mentioned James Elroy. And and I think you shouted out, what, Carver? Uh, Chandler? Raymond Chandler? Raymond Chandler. Right. Yeah. 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 Yeah, Raymond, like, like the, like the OG, like hard boiled guys, Raymond Chandler, um, um, uh, you know, James uh, Kane and mm-hmm. uh, uh, I can't think of any more either. Yeah. <laughs> Hammett, Dashiell Hammett. But yeah, like just people existing in this world that like everyone, every character, every interaction is simply threatening and everyone is just out and like it's sort of like every woman is like just a sort of a prostitute or some sort of like sex trading uh, femme fatale that's trying to like fuck you over from, and then things just money. Everything is about like, and, and that kind of is where it gets interesting is just how much of like everything is an exchange the entire time. It felt like, it felt like the, um, uh, there's a quest in in Legend of Zelda Majora's Mask where you have to okay. take around a bunch of different letters and items between these different NPCs. And it's, it's this chain. So this guy gives you this thing and you have to go get this thing from the other guy and then bring that thing back to the first guy. And then the second guy gives you something to bring to a third guy. And, and it, it kind of felt like that in terms of the like structure of the story because, you know, he winds up, so he's so he's trying to find Shella, which is the name of his his right. you know lover Shella. when he gets out of prison, and he does a hit job for this low level crime boss Monroe, who first offers to help him find her. He does the job in this 
which I thought was a good scene when they're in the in the, the the nightclub. I thought the lead up to that was good, and that whole scene was good when he's like letting out gas in the bathroom to like get people to leave and just cause a panic and then just go break the guy's neck. To be uh, clear, he wasn't shitting. Not shitting. Right. <laughs> Sorry. Letting out gas in the bathroom. <laughs> yeah. No, get. Ga- <laughs> <laughs> just thought I would clarify. Like, yeah. No. Yeah. <laughs> I just, you know, like, I mean, I, I, it was relatable <laughs> to me because I have farted and caused panic in a nightclub before. <laughs> right. And then murdered someone in the and then murdered uh, preceding someone. pandemonium. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Well, I like, I, I felt bad for, for Misty. Yeah, Misty. She got the yeah, short end was, of the stick, man. Yeah. So she who's Misty? She's been getting the short end of the stick. Who's Misty? Misty's yeah. like a incidental, right? Right, like she, again, she 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 falls into in line with like, you know, the particular way in which women, the exclusion Ella significantly, are kind of portrayed and and their role. I I think what I liked about this a bit was, um, again, and and this is this we've argued about this before, but just the relevance again of like the, the author's autobiography and, and, and context, but like. And Vax has a fascinating personal like story. Yeah. He's his own version of this kind of guy in yeah. certain ways. Uh, but yeah. like, yeah, I, he's, I, I, I took this to be, you know, not a particularly nuanced or subtle uh, kind of, critique of of like this world that can be created by constantly considering everything like a sexual opportunity or a monetary exchange or or a reason to do violence or whatever right and uh and so like i'm giving him the benefit of the doubt that this was a bit of a a critique of this world and like well i think you can totally tell by reading up about him and do you know if he lived in New York City? I didn't look that up. Uh, but yeah. I mean, like New York City in the 80s was like prime seedy underbelly type environment, you know? And it and it it definitely gives me that vibe for sure. And well, you I do I do get the sense that he knows a lot of what he's talking about, even though it's like it's kind of this basic, like there's a mobster here that might need a hit or you know, it's not like incredible. I, th- I mean, I actually wanna I would I think it's a little more bit I don't know. You were you, I, I you said earlier, Paul. You were like, I was expecting it to get darker, and I was like, how fucking much darker? Yeah. What do you like, want, bro? What 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 are you talking? Like this was pretty fucking dark. Like the guy. Well, let me explain know, why. Let me explain why. Um, well, I first here's, up. here's where my, where that reaction is coming from. I mean, so so Vax, his his resume is fucking bizarre, right? Like he worked as a federal investigator into like child sex crimes or something for a while and then he sex, was just straight up just sexually transmitted disease okay what does just, that even mean i don't even know i don't even know what that i don't get that what does a federal sexually transmitted disease investigator do like, i don't is ever, know is that like look at it, your penis that like his only case was the guy who like <laughs> stabbed kids on the playground with an aids needle that's like like is that the kind of case that yeah. you investigated well, you're right. Yeah. I think it's significant. Or yeah, or, or yeah, well, yeah. Was it? Yeah, was he investigating like the government giving you know people experimental sexual diseases? Right, like like the Tuskegee, Tuskegee Airmen, yeah. or something. So, so he did that, but and then he was I, a social I, worker, right? And then he was a 
he like ran a home for like violently criminal youths and stuff. It so, became like, about kids. Some shit. It became, but it, and I think it's like, what's pointed to me is that it became about children. Like mm -hmm. it became about like abused children and children with problems and, and violence like associated with their lives and all this kind of stuff. Like he really, he honed in on that. And I think it's significant that he honed in on that after going through what sounds like some early iteration of like the special victims unit right. in Chicago or whatever, like, so yeah, the, the dude's a weathered veteran of the worst types of behavior in people. In the back of the book, you were right, Gabe, it's like sexually transmitted diseases investigator. Um, <laughs> yeah, like what? And he was um, a maximum security prison youth, or he was the director of a maximum security prison for youthful offenders. And now it says that he was a lawyer in right. private now practice. Like a child advocate. Yeah. And he did live in. Oh, they had maximum security prisons for specifically youth offenders. I didn't know that either. Yeah. It's I like guess... mass murderers that are like <laughs> 14 years old. I guess that's a that can be a thing. Yeah, I guess murder your whole family and you're 13. Yeah, totally. Most I didn't know that. Most are school shooters, I think. Yeah. Yeah. But. I think the, the controlling idea that I got was just this notion essentially of like, because Ghost's own background, which is sort of elaborated on as in, in one, I think, stretch of the story, sort of mm -hmm. towards the beginning, uh, is, is about a person traumatized as like a child and, and who was like basically a ward of the state uh, and like learned to be the way he was. And definitely this whole notion of like shit rolling downhill, abuser, abused people becoming abusers. You know, I think these are the things that Vox is like, just trying to not, not subtly, cause he doesn't, he just wants you to know it. Like he's trying to like hammer home, even in something like this. But it's interesting because um, Ghost or John or, or whatever, he's not an abuser per se. He's just a, a, a a killer he's an assassin like he doesn't like I, you know i don't think like no i mean shella is yeah 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 yeah. yes well we, Max is, we can talk about what the outcome of her fucking story is in a minute yeah i mean ghost I ghost think, is certainly affected but not right yeah right and i think he's i think really what he's doing in the whole the whole the whole story is trying to sort of like hold on to the last sliver of his own humanity and his feelings for her. And I think, frankly, in a perverse way, the promise that he makes to her at the beginning of the book to kill her father, who it's implied right. like was horribly abusive to her. Yeah. And that's like his sort of, the thing that's keeping him going throughout the text. Yeah. I mean, it, and, and like, again, like, yeah, it's all, I think it all is culminated in that you know penultimate line by Shella at the end it's just like I think that's the thesis is like this is what people want to actually hear right like this is something that could have counteracted the entire story you just read and all of the fucking shit and I, and I actually thought it was cool that like you know ghost again all these people are self-christened self-named which is another thing right 
like no one has an, a name they weren't given by some non-parental figure or gave themselves. Right. And like, it's like, yeah, he, he, Ghost is the kind of guy who is, it's often described in the book, like no one would look at you, him, like he's so nondescript. He looks like nobody. He's a non-entity, like no one gives a shit. Uh, but he enters into various realms of, of, of violence and criminality to kind of give you the full, like, <clears throat> you know, like fucking cheese sampler of, of ways in which crime and violence can occur. <laughs> you know what I mean? Yes. Like culminating in like one of the scariest ones, which is like a, a racial supremacist group. Yes. Yeah. We haven't even gotten to that, to that, um, to that part of the story yet i mean i think yeah i mean i think you're right matt like i, I mean i wondered sometimes in the writing if it is if, if ghost didn't disappear too much like i i almost like i got that he was supposed to be this like deadened kind of like non like as you said a non-entity to the point that there's like not a lot of interiority there to even explore like there are moments where he mentions some like fleeting memories, but he can't even exactly connect them to anything. He's like, oh, this this made me feel something or think about something, but I can't even exactly, it disappears like rel- more or less instantly. Yeah. Um, which I thought was effective, but I, I, I sort of was like, I felt like, like I, I thought the descriptions that you guys said earlier in, the, in our previous discussions were apt. It's basic, I think it was basically just like Forrest Gump, Max Payne. And it's like <laughs> basically what this character was came off to be as it's perfect. I mean, it's so perfect. Yeah, mix with yeah. a little bit of that Zelda quest you're talking about too. Yeah, yeah, mix right. with yeah. I mean, fetch quests, which sounds bad, but we, when you say like, okay, we have Forrest Gump as Max Payne doing Zelda fetch quests, that yeah, does not like, sound like a ringing endorsement. But I actually sixty percent video games. Yeah, it's, yeah. You don't want it to be like 60% video game analogies for the book we're reading, but <laughs> it's, I think it's very, actually- They're very accurate. I'm sorry, you're right, you're right, you're right. Well, I, I mean, another one other reason I think it felt like a video game to me is that like, he felt like a very video game hero type character. Like, I murder people, I had a bad childhood, and I don't like people that are harmful to kids. He's, yeah, he's, he's as well bad. lump. He's basically he's un- man. He's not serious, Sam, he, or he's too serious, Sam. <laughs> <laughs> but also, yeah. just like molested Duke Nukem. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but the um, even like him eventually infiltrating the white supremacists felt like he had he had been leveling up in the story and he's going like this is the big boss battle <laughs> sure and uh, throughout the whole thing definitely over nine thousand by then <laughs> yeah, oh, yeah for sure and i think what made it feel more like like a story driven video game too like like tomb raider or something um was that i just i never felt like he was going to get off the track of the story that was put in place like i, I never was in fear for his life like he wasn't going to kill the person I was just like, oh, he, he's gonna he's gonna do it. I, I there was no well, tension. I, okay, there. yeah, I know. I get I get what you're saying, but I do I do kind of want to defend that section because I enjoyed that section. I think. Okay, so maybe we should just 
be explicit about what happens. So the the the, the path for him to find Shella runs through. He meets this guy by chance at a bar who's a Native American guy who's involved with a basically a ring of assassins and um, one of their uh, members is in prison and they're trying to get him out. But in order to do that, they have to do a favor for this sort of like mega mind, like behind the computer hacker man who yeah he felt who, kind of like fbi or something yeah maybe like former fbi or current fbi or something like that who one of his people was killed by a white supremacist group who he now wants revenge on and he wants their leader dead yeah and so it's this like it's this like six degrees of like kevin bacon situation where he has got to do a favor for the guy who owes another guy a favor, who needs someone killed as a revenge for another guy. And so he winds up, yeah, infiltrating this white supremacist compound. I mean, I actually didn't feel that it was, so like it was tensionless in a certain way because I agree the outcome was like more or less predetermined. Like he was gonna get out of there alive, I felt like from the beginning, but it was, I didn't think that that was the goal. Like it, the, I, I thought I really liked that he spent some time there. Like he was there for what sound like in in the time of the book seemed like weeks at least, if not months. Yeah. And um, you did a good job. They get into the minutia of his like day to day life on this white supremacist compound. The breakfast that he eats and the cooks in the kitchen and like, I, it's not like he just goes there and like goes straight to the to the boss fight. So I actually liked that section quite a bit. No, I did too. I'm not saying I didn't like it. I, I like I liked it a lot too. That's one of my favorite sections of the book. I just felt I just I couldn't get over that tensionless feeling I had. Like everything he did, he said, like he he always made the right move. He he like gained the respect of like the guy at the bar that recruited him pretty quickly. Everyone just like trust. Like there was just a lack of tension throughout the whole process. Well, I think. Well, they, yeah, go ahead, Matt. Well, I'm they. I mean. Maybe not very effectively, but I think they tried to inject a bit of just tension in the fact that he he is such a cipher kind of non-entity that he still like puts people off just by his lack of giving a shit about anything and his ability to just sort of parrot things and people picking up on on that that he's he's got no real like conviction or you know like he weirds people out. He's uh, yeah, he, he's not seamlessly just injected into each scenario. People are like, what do you, people just basically think he's like, you know, semi-retarded and like, aren't, aren't like, aren't, aren't fully accepting of him sometimes, but Which it's not I also think is a plausible, like that's a plausible explanation for kind of like a lot of the way the story goes, right? Like if, if someone comes up to you and is like, hey, will you, you know, go on this like, white supremacist assassination run through a black neighborhood <laughs> and you're just like yeah and then you just do it <laughs> like they're gonna be more likely to trust you and ask you to do more stuff like if you just say yeah i'll do whatever anyone says to me at any time and then do it you know what i mean like so it was like given his character yeah, but that it also was, it was plausible you're right because he like he does all the right things very early on you know, but I, I, that's where I think I disagree. He doesn't. It's not that he does the right things. He does whatever. He does whatever people would say you should do. 
Like, do, hey, can you do this? He's like, yeah, sure. But I, it's not even that, that, that it's seamless in that way. It's weird occasionally that he's so game. Like, mm-hmm. he's just like, you want to kill a black guy? And he's like, yeah. And they're like, uh, I mean, this is a big deal. Are you sure? <laughs> like, you know. Yeah, where's the gun? Yeah. He's like, he's just like, yeah, I'll do it. And people were like, well, to Damn, be fair, he was already in the like the plan at that point, right? Like that was he was the, he was already deeply involved in the like revenge scheme with the Mega Mind guy and the the Native American. But he, but like he doesn't know how to like. There's no acting natural. Yeah, he right. doesn't know how to feign feign even a, a a bit of hesitancy or anything. It's just. Like, okay, here is goal X to get to Y and, you know. Yeah, I mean, you're right to compare it to a, just a kind of video game on Rails Quest. It's like you got to fulfill these objectives in order to just, you know, get to your goal. I think it would have been yeah, hilarious that's, for that's, this that's, choose your own adventure book. And then every, every time he dies, you just get the... You just get the Morrowind character death screen. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. You didn't see Shella. <laughs> <laughs> well, I kind of want to go back to like just the, the, the beginning and more of just like the tropes of like noir. Mm-hmm. I think it's noir. Hard-boiled. Uh, hard-boiled. Which that, I mean, that's an interesting question in and of itself is hard-boiled a distinct genre from noir. Both both have, I believe, the like definition of of the world being essentially just this minatory kind of threatening place where everything is everything is just sort of engaged with through threats of violence or people trying to like fuck you over. Like there's no humanity. And what and what I kind of liked was the implication that this isn't necessarily true of the world, but you can place yourself in hell if you if you like start off the wrong way right. and it's so hard to get out and like or, or you be know place, not necessarily place yourself exactly yeah be placed in hell and then you either perpetuate it or like it, it just takes so much to struggle your way out of it um and again i feel like the the the, the very heavy-handed lesson is just like people looking for a genuine connection. Like it's, it's really that simple, I think. I don't think Vox is really trying to go for anything more light and layered and subtle than just like people wanna be loved and, and feel necessary. And you can avoid this entire underworld of darkness if you just start off with that or something. But of course, right, like, and again, this sort of touches on a discussion that we had uh about the mountain lion which is that like but like it, it's it's all fate too in this world in some ways right like yeah these people had no there was no there's no bootstrapping here right like there's no there's no if anything they're doing it right like if anything they are bootstrapping they're doing the best thing. They're, they're doing the yeah. closest they can get to bootstrapping, right? Like, there's you, you're never you're never climbing out of the 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 lives that these people had as children uh, in any sort of meaningful way. 
I can't even recall any instances where like any of the characters even brought up the question of trying to get out of the world though. Maybe I'm wrong, but like there wasn't any, there wasn't even any like, oh, this world's so fucked up. I want to get out someday. Right. There, I don't, I don't remember any of that. It was just like, we are players in this world and this is what we do. These yep. are the things that are happening. And the outside world doesn't even like really come into play. Yep. I, yeah, I, agree. I, I think there's a deep, there's a deep sort of fatalism to all these characters. It's like they yeah. are there and this is the stories that they have. And these are their and, stories. Dun, dun. These are their story. <laughs> and and we and we brought it up before, but like with other books, but like the sense of place, like this this guy goes all over the US. Yeah. And none of it is different from any of the other of it. Right. <laughs> like, like, right. It's all just fucking strip clubs and, and strip malls and just motels. like motels and stretches of road. And it's just it's just only that no matter where you are. Which which I enjoyed because that feels that felt true to me. Like that feels real. Like there's it was just a it, it was a, a really good way of like like presenting this like layer cake vision of of the United States physically right like where you can go anywhere in the United States and if you are in a certain um strata or a certain you've had a certain like type of life it matters whether or not you're in Indianapolis or Tempe or or fucking right. or uh, you know Seattle or whatever but but underneath all that, it's the same everywhere. It's it's yeah. the same strip clubs. It's the same fucking bars. It's the same motels. And I thought that that sort of like flattening was very effective. I think that's a yeah. It's the I same. Vi- like, uh, it's the same violence. It's the same vices that are fueling the I think significantly economy mm-hmm. of like all the, of these spaces. It's like the same monopoly monopoly board wherever you go to whatever city you're in. Like you're always same. you always go to jail. <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> There's always someone else winning that's collecting money from you. <laughs> someone else already built it. They already built two hotels on the property. Yeah, some fuckers already got those little red building pieces on all the squares. <laughs> <laughs> I do think but, uh, like the closest that they I think the closest that he gets. Well, what I what one of the things that I think is interesting is his sort of journey, like the, the, not that there's any positivity or hope necessarily in this book, but one of the things that I think is interesting is that like he gets two sorts of visions in his um, uh, story of chosen family, right? He gets a, the vision of chosen family from the Native American group where their whole thing is that like blood doesn't matter, like we're brothers. We're all mm-hmm. like, we're going to have your back. You know, they send him into the white supremacist compound and they're like, just do your thing. It doesn't matter how long it takes. We're going to be there. Like when you leave, we'll be there and we'll cover you. We'll, you know, shoot, shoot yeah. the guys if they chase you, whatever. And they, you know, he, the, the Native American guy, what's his name? He just calls him the Indian, I think. In yeah. The book. yeah. Yeah. They ultimately, they build up to doing this, like put it like this sort of like arrival, uh, arrival thing where they put their hands up together like this <laughs> um grasp each other's hand as a sign of like you know brotherhood but then he gets another vision of that inside the white supremacist compound where they all call also i think meaningfully call themselves brother they call themselves 
you know, they yes. talk about how they're all sort of like the white man and the white. So, so it's interesting that he gets these sort of like dueling visions of like the ways in which people choose families in situations of like abject loneliness and trauma. Yeah. And like two directions that that can go, both of them, of course, very dark, but like incredibly yeah. distinct. Right, exactly. Like just like one less dark. Right. And I, there, there is a bit of like, you know, I, I can't, I don't know what to make of like, you know, the Native American, is it Comanche? Like the group that's, that's. I like think sort he of says he's mixed. He's like Comanche and something else. I can't remember. I think it might've been Comanche though. You know, like as a very American book, it feels as though they're like the first, the first group of people to have been done trauma to in this particular land right and and therefore they have the deepest knowledge of how to band together <laughs> and 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 stick together and do this kind of like blood brotherhood slash retributive violence uh and i to think the that, others i i think it's it makes it significant that one of the um most sort of the the most often repeated tropes of the white supremacists on their compound is we own this land. This is ours. We own, we own, we own. This is our own land. We bought it fair and clear legally. And yeah. I think that, that the political significance of their opposition being a Native American group is like sort of striking. <laughs> yeah, it's super effective. Mm -hmm. Also, just like as a as a quiet send up of the whole rationale and like internal logic of white supremacy it's pretty funny you know because oh, they, they they kill the they kill the one they kill the one you know questionably gay member of their group because he lived and weights <laughs> yeah because he was very unclear to me like what there's no proof at all he just like wears a tight shirt one day and they're like it was fucking gay <laughs> but just also like all the parroting of like that's yeah, true, though. <laughs> that's basically, what happened? I was like, "Oh, is, is are they gonna like uncover something where he's like actually done something like in the showers or something?" Maybe they did, but I did when I read it. I was like, "What did what did he do besides wear a tight shirt and wanting to lift weights?" Yeah, what? I did. It's not clear. It's sad. He's 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 Ghost's one friend. I actually thought that that character. I felt really bad for him because there was one. Uh, What's his name? Murray. Murray. Talking. I know the internet's spazzing out. We have one friend. Oh, he'll be, he'll, he'll be back. There you go. You're back. Uh, there you go. You're back, bro. Oh. Uh, what was I saying? You were talking about, about Murray. Murray. Oh yeah, I was just saying that I I actually found his character like in his death to be pretty horrible and tragic and just you know he joined because he wanted friends and it was like obviously right. he was part of white supremacist group but like you got to think of the pete like the players in this world in the world that he grew up in and it was, it was just actually like a it was sad just to just to hear him say that he wanted friends he's like i think yeah, that he's like, well, we're, like obviously we're here because we hate black people but like yeah. why, why are you really here why are you really right here? yeah 
He's yeah. like, well, I'm really here. I just, I want like, I want buddies. To, like, like, I just needed some like, bros to like, please, like just someone. Yeah. White supremacy is for the boys. Yeah. <laughs> just a, just a white power salute, like going into a dap with his boys. <laughs> yeah, it's like white power salute going into a hug and kiss. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Like, yeah, I know. I definitely hate the Jews. I hate the blacks for sure. But like, can you, I want to, can we like be bros? You want to like hang out and like. You know, yeah, you want to like lift you? weights? I just yeah, want to like, like play pool with you, man. But like juice. But stop. I do think I think Matt, I think you're like yeah, I think you're right. Like this it, as a send up, and I think this this thing that that Paul mentioned about like they basically killed him because he wanted to lift weights and wear a tight shirt, and now right. to them they were like, oh, this guy's definitely gay, and it's hilarious because <laughs> again, as a sort of like parody of white supremacist culture, one of their whole things is like chosen race purity pure physical fitness we are the the the, the most the golden you know, one we are yeah the golden one we are the golden ones uh just like pure genetics and physical fitness and the guy who like is the most physically fit of all of them they're like gay kill him yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you're gonna yeah you do you just snuff him out man yeah he's, he's annoying but also yeah, just all the lift weights with him Kill yeah him. kill him he's dead also like the uh doing curls with someone else's dick just like <laughs> massive freaky cock <laughs> <laughs> uh, so heavy i'm gonna do bicep isolation curls with it uh jailhouse curls massive freaky cock <laughs> but just like the ghost's own like need because of his inability to like feel anything and therefore engage in any other dimension other than memorization with anything right he like really like it re he really he ends up through his own character kind of driving home just like all the stupid rote hate shit that like feels like tired even during the white supremacist parts where he's just like we're even like the indian handlers of ghosts who are like Okay, so what you're gonna need to do next time you go in there is ask them about Rhodesia. Yeah, and and then he's like, they'll love that, <laughs> and like, and then just like him in the car the next next chapter going like, so what's Rhodesia? Yeah, <laughs> and the guy fucking loves it, and the guy fucking loves yeah. it. Well, you'll see Cecil Rhodes, and he yeah, it's just like. Yeah. Well, I thought the other that the other reminded me of a video game too. Like the Indian guy was just like the guy he goes off on a quest to meet up and gives him information. Dealer, so he can go back to the main storyline and be like yeah the other right. thing about the uh the memorization and the sort of like roteness oh, of white supremacy culture that i think is so funny is that uh he you know when he when he's meeting his his uh native american contact in the basement of his apartment he the, the guy asks him a couple questions and he repeats back like pretty exactly the white supremacy talking points and the guy is like holy shit, like, you actually listened to what they said to you? And he's like, oh, yeah. And, like, you, like the vibe that I got was like, the guy was kind of worried that he was being converted. And he was yeah. like, and he, he goes, he goes, do you ever, like, think about any of that stuff? And he just goes, no. <laughs> <laughs> Which is Chad in that context, kind and of. And also just true of white supremacists in general. Like, no, right, of exactly. course they don't think about it. Like, they just fucking repeat it. yeah. It's so comforting. It's like a worry stone that you just can kind of rub. You know what yes. I mean? It's, it's like all it fucking is. Yes. And I, 
Rhodesia yeah. is just literally like fucking like the fucking Middle Earth for these people. <laughs> <laughs> just like, like, they just want to live in the Shire of Rhodesia. <laughs> <laughs> and like yeah he kind of just fits in like a glove because he's 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 like social tofu he like uh he just takes on the flavor of whatever and it's always violent and, and sort of odious flavors that he takes on because that's his whole world but, like actual tofu yes yeah or that what is it thousand year tofu just kidding, i love tofu oh yeah the thousand year tofu yeah yeah it's just nasty uh i would love to eat some of that i know i i, I went to china i was on offer when did and you i did eat in 2008 Damn. yeah it was cool they were building the olympic uh compound at the time in How beijing great i don't know you know <laughs> i'm sure that you know uh, I'm sure we didn't get the full story ever. <laughs> it looked cool though. There was a the, the, washing the, the, cube. The, the Chinese Olympic torch was actually cooking up the coronavirus. The whole time. <laughs> <laughs> oh my god! There were so many burn victims out there. That's the one thing that I uh, that I took away from my ex hyper curated trip with my grandparents. There were people out there no matter where I went in this massive country that were just all the same type of burn victim. And I was like, that was on the curated trip. <laughs> yes. And I was like, what the fuck is this about? That's strange. Anyway, I'm sure there's an explanation. If anyone has an explanation, I want to hear it. Yeah. If anyone, yeah. If this goes out and someone knows what we're talking about, <laughs> let us know. But the, yeah, the, the white, I feel like the white supremacist portion of the book is kind of like a culmination of an idea though, right? Because you were, you, Gabe, you were mentioning like chosen families and stuff. And, you know, I also, I also went through the Wikipedia and like, I mean, that, that's the title of his, his proto podcast on the, on the, uh, He's got like that video that I sent you in the chat where he's owning Roman Polanski, which is hilarious. <laughs> yeah. And if, if yeah. we release this episode, we'll put that in the description of yes. Andrew Vax destroying, just fucking absolutely owning Roman Polanski is hilarious. <laughs> yeah. um, but the title of that, I don't know. It was it was like 2008 or something. So it was like pre-podcast really. So it might've been like a public access show or something. But it was, I think, I believe it was called the chosen family or chosen something i'm gonna I'll, I'll look right now anyway sorry but the idea is the idea is like uh people that have been betrayed by their family through molestation violence this kind of assault this kind of stuff and then the notion of like seeking out a family but needing it to be the people that you've like vetted in a way and like that being kind of everyone's state of affairs in this, in the world of Shella, and I'm assuming a lot of the other of his novels. Well, I think that um, for for Ghost or John or whatever the main character, like he comes in contact with these different like brotherhoods, but he has no desire at all to like be involved with them. Really, he does not care. Like his family is only Shella. That's the only time that he actually feels like less of himself and more like a human 
like I, I really like the scene where he um where Shella is like she has really bad cramps and she ha- like she's going through a period and she's like crying and he does these very like human moves and tries to comfort her and it's but they're also you know, very like Forrest Gump moves right well yeah I mean that it reminds me of like Forrest Gump and Jenny for sure <laughs> Shella is totally Jenny yep um, right it's like oh you're having your period like. Well, she, I mean, she even makes a joke out of it, right? Like, he puts a warm cloth on her forehead, and she's like, my fucking stomach hurts, you dumbass. Like, not my yeah. head. She's like Jenny in the sense that she also has AIDS at the end, and so does Jenny. Does. <laughs> yeah. And she also yeah. goes off on her own for years, and he's trying to get her back. But, I mean, Shella, it's I like it because it's even more interesting because, like, you know, Shella, she's far more than Ghost, even, I would say, uh, the absolute victim of just like her past and s- psychotic in her own right. Yep. And like, you know, just that, that always is going to lead to this, you know, I, I, it, it's not just AIDS just to be AIDS, you know, it's like, I, I, it's literally a wasting disease transmitted through blood. And like, right. I think that that's a super significant like symbol and kind of metaphor for hereditary, you know, familial violence, being hereditary and all this kind of stuff right yeah yeah but i would also say that like um maybe her intellectual capacity was better than than ghosts oh no question totally but you also don't know if ghosts intellectual capacity was somehow lessened because of his initial upbringing like all the the earliest i think we hear about his past is when he's at the orphanage already right i think yeah and and I mean, I would say that I consider him to be more psychotic than Shella, just because he's like Even so cold. No, I don't know, dude. Uh, yeah, hard disagree. I think, I think the end. I think you're right that it seems it's unclear, but then at the very end, there. Well, like, okay. Why? Well, why? Why were you saying that, Paul? Yeah, uh, I'm saying that like with Shella, there's still an emotional element to her actions and to her murders, and Ghost fucking kills people with no emotion like just to get back to Shella like there, there's not even any like you don't think that counts as emotion though he he loves her and he wants to get back to her yeah but I mean I think there's probably with a normal person there would still be some emotional element to what actions he has to take in order to get her he says like, he doesn't he, want to kill Murray yeah but he does it anyway well yeah I know but I'm saying like but Okay, I, he does do it anyway, but you're saying there's no emotional element. I think there is in some cases. I think that was probably the one out of the whole story where there was some emotional Well, except element. the one at the end. <laughs> oh. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, I think all I'm saying is that like his, his actions when he killed, or like his thought process and emotional state when he kills is still incredibly fucked up like Shella's. We're not defending, I'm not defending Ghost as like a guy that no. like is normal. No, I know, I know that. I'm, all I'm saying is that they're both rooted in childhood trauma. I uh, think Shella is is somebody who was going off the rails very clearly by the end. And I like, was like going to become a, a literal serial killer. Like she was like- He was already to, a serial killer. Well, okay, we should probably true. talk about it and just say what happens, but- yeah. 
I just want to go on the record and say that this book came out in 1993 and Forrest Gump came out in 1994. And I'm going to just go on the record and say Forrest Gump ripped off this book. Steven Spielberg is a hack. And Forrest Gump is just happy Shella. <laughs> happy Shella. We, you have to make a poster of that, a meme poster. There's so many versions of happy Shella. Happy Shella. Also, I want to mention, because we haven't yet, that uh, Iceberg Slim got a shout out at the I, beginning yeah, of Yeah, the dedication book. page. Uh, and then he also is just sort of name-checked in the book itself. Yep. Iceberg fucking Slim. Iceberg, what do you think he is? Iceberg fucking Slim? Well, and that's the guy that, that they, and then he, they, the guy that he winds up killing is a pimp. Right. The guy that they describe that as. And it's well, like. I thought it was, an, it was uh, important that he he chose that guy to kill. I mean, this is like a roundabout way to say that there are some moral elements in Ghost still because he had seen that, or known that the pimp liked hooking up with underage girls, like 14-year-olds or whatever. Again, you know, Vox's so, bailiwick. So, the, so, yeah. Yeah. so just to give some context for the story, the white supremacist group, in order to get him into the, the upper echelon, they basically their initiation ritual is that you have to kill a black person and call it what the acid test they call it the acid test yeah and so ghost along with his um native american handler guy arrange it so it's basically like a dexter thing right they arrange it so he kills a black guy who is also prostituting like 10 year old girls yeah so he so he can get into the group but he also does you know a you know quote unquote good thing uh, a job yeah. yeah yeah which i thought was a little far-fetched because like wasn't he just driving around with his I, I what i found far-fetched was that the white supremacist group that is painted in the story as like incredibly thorough and like equipped to like vet people like 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 on a governmental level would let the person pick who they killed that was the thing that was far-fetched to me. Like I, I, I would be, I think that they would, they would just be like, we, we're going to pick and you have to do it. Well, I think the only thing that I disagree with that about is that in the car he was in, they were like, they were described as like the street boys. Like they, they beat up people with baseball bats. They weren't, they yeah. weren't in the compound. They were just kind of like, you know, they were street guys. And I think the recruiter was with him, but. I'm going with Paul on this one. Like I think. I think it's pretty sloppy at the level that he was engaged with initially. Yeah. All right. That's fair. I buy that. Let's, can we, you want to get some nice piss noises on the, I want to get some full on stream. Ooh. Yeah, boy. <laughs> Massive freaky. <laughs> What's the yeah. opposite of that? <laughs> tiny, tiny tiny comforting cock <laughs> oh that's cute tiny fluffy <laughs> tiny comforting <laughs> <laughs> uh, no the, the thing that i found far-fetched about that maybe i read it wrong or i missed something when i read it but i think he was just driving around with his white supremacist boys and they just like happened to see the pimp get out of the car at that moment and he was like oh great I can kill him because we just saw him. No, Ghost was trying to, Ghost was sort of like, you know, steering them a bit. 
Yeah, but I, I think I was just thinking like, all right, he knows where the pimp lives or hangs out and he's just getting out of the car at this moment and he's like, that's the guy. And I was like, that felt very video game scripty moment to me. Just like all the elements just lined up perfectly. Like, I just thought the chances of that were very small and I, it kind of irked me, but it didn't totally matter either. Okay, Mahler. Yeah, there's some stuff. Yeah, wow, Mauler. Yeah, that's a very Pauler moment. <laughs> <laughs> if we could sort of popularize this notion that you're Pauler, that would be really great. <laughs> how long before we get an, how long before we get a dedicated EFAP episode? Actually, maybe I should just go Bring by it. maybe I should go by my first name, my initial name, Mike, and then I would just be Mauler. <laughs> <laughs> there you go just even more become him just fucking you know uh, uh texas chainsaw massacre just wear his face yeah <laughs> <laughs> so should we talk about the ending yeah yeah we sort of mentioned all of the salient shit that he does like he just kills people for various crime guys petty crime guys and just shit lords and fucking like uh and then eventually kills a uh, the leader of a white supremacist militia kind of compound group in indiana uh and uh right and then he goes and he gets to see shell he gets off he he exited exits the compound scot-free the one thing i want to say little, very I, little guards the one thing that i want to just also <laughs> well there's an explanation for that he yeah, happened to come out at the right angle out of the back of the building. Right. The, the white supremacist leader's daughter uh, who lives in a creepy like cage hut, which is very, which was very disturbing. Yeah. Because he, I, it, the implication I think was that he was like breeding her. Yes. Um, so she lets him out the back and that was, that was how the, the Native American group had the better angle on uh shooting the his pursuers yeah they chris so whatever those I mean, two other you, know guys. What, you know what <laughs> you're 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 pollering out right now enough with the plausibility talk yeah i'll stop plausibility <laughs> <laughs> but i do want to say i did like i did think the initial meeting with the um you know mega mind hacker guy was pretty cool when they go find him in like this uh, like a, not abandoned building but like an empty floor where there's like no construction and he they have to like jump over some mysterious trap yeah like... some tr trigger thing <laughs> yeah yeah I, i'm actually gonna go on gonna go on the record and say that the matrix copied uh, a little bit of his characterization <laughs> he kind of reminded me a bit of uh of trinity mixed with the key master <laughs> He's the, no, he's the architect. That they stole the yeah, idea of the architect, the architect from that Trinity guy and the keymaster. Right. I'm gonna also have to uh, say that whatever that movie is with Catherine Zeta-Jones and Sean Connery, where she she breaks into a building and does a sexy oh, and does oh, the spider yeah. thing from the ceiling, yeah, away oh, from the, the like lasers. She dips down, do uh, downward dog in her butt. I remember the, I remember her butt. I know you do, Paul. Let me see if we could. <laughs> <laughs> I just want to know what it's called so I can say it. Uh, the Rock. No. Entrapment. 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 Thank you. So, yeah. So, I'm saying Entrapment. I was also copying from this book. So, we got Forrest Gump, The Matrix, and Entrapment. <laughs> I'll also... I'll also... 
<laughs> I'll also say that uh, I believe I, I I wonder if Iceberg Slim and and Fox actually talked to each other. Iceberg Slim features in like he gets dedications from like uh, you know Clockers, the Richard Price book. Uh huh. And I've like it. I've never read it. And like I feel like even David Simon was kind of adjacent to this. These people that like wrote narrative fiction about crime but we were public servants and like in in various like jobs where they would have a professional angle on this stuff beforehand yeah i mean david simon's like the prime example of that for sure i don't know where iceberg slim was geographically operating out of i don't i, don't, I just don't know enough about that history yeah, I just know he's like a print, uh, pimp come so he, author. So he pimp was come. from Chicago. Um, <laughs> okay. Yeah. Yeah, he he had movie adaptations from his shit. That's the, he yeah, Iceberg Slim Portrait of a Pimp with uh, Snoop Dogg. Yeah. Yeah. So I guess he did some of it in LA too, it seems like. He was big time by then, though. So I don't know. It'd be interesting. Just I'm people sure who came off of that crime. That would be an interesting history to read. If someone wants to write that history of his sort of like influence on crime fiction. I know he was, yeah, the, the, he was an author himself, but. I mean, it, it, it's, again, Vox, Vax rather, uh, anti-Vax, right? <laughs> uh, <laughs> he, uh, it's 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 a tradition of like hard-boiled crime noir, but it's also like dramatized nonfiction mm-hmm. as well in a certain sense. Like people that came from right. rough pasts or had direct contact with this world, you know, it just give give the reader that extra just like frisson of like I'm you know this person was even I'm this much of a degree away from that world myself having read the real deal from these people that were like involved yeah are you saying it's pornographic uh, I'm saying for certain readers it's probably a bit yeah. not not the, not the writers themselves but you know it's the same it's the same thing as people who love you know serial killer documentaries or fucking like uh murder mystery procedurals any of this stuff yeah i mean i think right I, I definitely didn't find any of <laughs> any of the sexual scenes or descriptions at all romanticized like i felt really i still i really felt bad for misty a lot mm-hmm. like her her characterization was just like she was so rooted in in who she was like trying to please her man and trying to just be a good like sexy woman and i just it was depressing. It was so depressing. It was so depressing. It was so depressing. Truly, yeah. And just like any any form of like affection that wasn't rooted in just like beating the shit out of her, like, you know, yeah. she was like so grateful for. It was just, yeah. I, I think that was her kind of her purpose in the narrative. I think you're supposed to feel that way about her. Yeah. I don't know if you got that. I mean, I think Matt, to go back to your point, I mean, like, it seems like all of these characters, like Misty, Shella, John, probably a lot of the others, like, it's, I can't help but imagine that they're amalgamations of shit that he saw, Vax saw over the course of his career, right? Like, yeah. 
Yeah. Totally. And just, you know, but and I, I think it's a very like just sort of violence begets violence. Again, you are once once you've succumbed to this lifestyle, it is it becomes the sum total of like your experience and how you look at everything, you know, it's, just kind of like it's with its own ghost. It's just yeah, exactly. Like, you know, you know, whatever. You have a hammer and every problem becomes a nail or, yeah. you know, that kind of thing. I think that my, like, think, thinking back to, like, the whole reading experience, I think that my favorite aspect of the book is that there is no seeking to get out of the world by any of the characters. I know I, I said that earlier. But when I think about movies like, I don't know, John Wick, there's there's always, like, aspects of that, like, you know, John Wick is out of the world in the beginning, and he's, oh, I don't want to be back in that world. Right. And you know, that humanizes the character. But, you know, I, I love that the lack of that in this in this story is that there's just, this is the way it is. This is it, fuck it, it is what it is. Yeah, you know, you, you get the sense that, that Ghost is just gonna do this until he gets got himself. Right. Right, yeah. like, there's or no way he's not getting killed. Yeah, and even at the end when he gets in the car, he's just like, he just keeps going. And he's like, this, I don't know. So let's talk I, I about do. the ending. Yeah, uh, let's do that. Let's get there. So he finds Shella ultimately. The Mega Mind uh, follows through on his promise to track her down. She's she's sort of uh, gone into the the S and M underworld, and she's operating as like a, a dominatrix, basically. And he's able to to track her down, and the uh, uh, the Native American group takes him out there. And I liked how this was done because it was like no dramatics, no three, no th no theatrics. It was just dropped. Like she's at a hospital. We're going to a hospital. Yeah. And I was like, what? Like, because all like everything that we had heard up to that was like they had these pictures of her from the back pages of newspapers and and online and you know whatever. Not online because this is takes place in the early nineties or whatever, but she's a dominatrix and here's where we think she is. And they're like, get in, we're, uh, we're gonna go to a hospital. So they get there and she's like clearly dying in the hospital bed. Yeah, because the entire time, right up until you see her in the present day, mm -hmm. she's described as like kind of ripped yep. and like almost bodybuilder type. Yeah, exactly. yeah. And then you just get this like skeletal figure in a bed when you finally, he finally lays eyes on her in person, which is, yeah, you're like, oh, fuck, okay. I know what it is. And so it's, <laughs> it, 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 I actually thought this was very effective and and like affecting because it's like, you know, she's like, okay, like I stopped having sex. I was doing this dominatrix stuff where, you know, I was whip, you know, whipping people and, you know, this and that. And yet she has, the implication it's never stated but it's pretty clear that she has aids because she talks about her t-cell count and all that yeah. yeah uh and so you're like okay what's going on and then the final couple pages she's like i feel that she's a serial killer who's drinking people's blood <laughs> yes she says that every every like, like one out of every like 60 fucking clients that she gets reminds her of, of her, her father. father 
and then you know the the dom thing used to heal or like numb thoughts of her past molestation but now she kind of needs this and uh she just goes fucking ham at some point on a certain guy murders that beats them to death through their her s&m practice and then just drinks their blood and eventually got aids <laughs> well i think doesn't she say that like she goes to the bathroom and realizes that there's blood like on her well, so, well the yeah. first time the first time <laughs> i actually want to read that paragraph because i think sure that was uh you know she talks about killing the first guy you know and the, the the fucking look in his eyes when he realized she wasn't gonna stop and she was just gonna fucking kill him because he reminded we, her we, he reminded we her haven't read life. too many excerpts which is we should do more of next time yeah well, this is I mean, for me one it's one of these books that i was reading it so quickly so i what was the book gabe that you picked a few weeks ago that was like one long sentence the last uh, wolf and and yeah like i barely read a lot of i, I barely underlined any of that because i was just like there's no break yeah. i just I couldn't really break from this book either but anyway go ahead Gabe. so anyway so this is the, i think the second or third to last page <laughs> so she's talking about after killing this first guy who reminded her of her abusive father she says i got to need it more and more i saw his face all the time once i must have passed out when i did it when i came to he was there all tied up and bloody I left him there, went into the bathroom to take a shower. Then I saw it, blood on my mouth, all over my mouth. Then the next time I did it, I stopped pretending, stopped playing. I drank their blood. It was the best, sweetest, purest thing I ever did. That's how it must have happened. <laughs> yeah. Fucked. A absolutely. E fucked. Absolutely. Yeah. But good for her. <laughs> what? <laughs> <laughs> This is about girl bosses. Elizabeth Warren. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, I kind of read that as like HRC yeah, HRC 2024 for sure. I'm, dude. I'm fucking still with her, honestly. <laughs> oh, me too. I didn't. I I think that's why I, when Matt, you were saying she was psychotic, I was like, oh yeah, she is psychotic because that is horrible. I and mean, I was, just killing like these motherfuckers that like have pictures of not necessarily fucking no nope. no. You're right. You're right. But, like <laughs> the, the one first guy. guy drives, yeah, yeah. You're right. Sometimes it's just subs that are just excited to be dom by. Well, and I liked, I mean, I like, you know, one of the things that I liked, and this was before the part that I just read, where she was talking about like uh, going across the country and stuff and basically doing this. And like, she was like, uh, yeah, this is actually on the previous, just on the previous page. She's talking about going across the country after she's basically started this killing spree. And uh, it says she took a deep breath. Something rattled inside her when she did it. Quote, they knew about it. They had to know. They knew. One of them even asked me, are you her? They knew someone in the underground was killing them, but I never had any trouble getting clients. Never. I got bigger and stronger. <laughs> yeah. Vampirism almost. Yeah. Yeah. And then... So I, I actually think Twilight also probably ripped <laughs> off this book. Yes. And I think probably Bram Stoker's Dracula. <laughs> <laughs> Wait, Nosferat Nos Nosferashella. Yeah, exactly. That's that doesn't sound awkward at all. Bram Ghosters Dracula. So anyway. <laughs> <laughs> oh my fucking god, dude. So she's dying of AIDS, and essentially at the end, she begs him to kill her, and he does. Right. She she's like, I'll say the one thing I know you want to hear says that she loves him 
and then he can only do what he's just been doing every single fucking time. And he snaps someone's neck with his hands, which is what he's been doing the whole time. The whole fucking thing. Yeah, exactly. It's his only form of expression. It's the only thing he's like capable of doing well. Uh, You know, and it's, yeah, I I found it very sad. I thought, I thought it was an effective ending. Me too. I was very sad. I, I, and then he gets to, out and he's he goes to the 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 you know the Indian took his jacket that he stole from the white supremacist compound and the last line right. is to go back and get his jacket. Just just like that, all of this added up to a fucking jacket. It just all added up to 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 nothing, right? Like right. The sum total is just like just people are gone, and there's nothing to show for. It, except right. like a remnant of some other thing that is like yeah it again this is the kind of book that i enjoy reading rarely but when i'm in the mood or like after a stretch like i love it like yeah. it's you know it's it's super it's super affecting um i don't and like i said earlier i, I don't get the people that again like murder mystery people who are just like they enjoy the like being in this world where things are simplified down to like violent exchanges right and predetermined violence at the end and all this kind of stuff but as a description i don't know of like a certain substrate of reality and like it's internal logic and all this kind of stuff it's 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 cool and it works well i yeah i mean i i i think our discussion made me actually like it more which is always good hell yeah think for sure um i i can't think of the noir genre without thinking about simonon obviously right and i think that in a lot of thematic ways this book captures that bleak nature that simonon does so well it's just like this is the story that is played out it's bleak um this is a sort of description of a shitty event or a shitty world with characters that maybe are questionable and this is what it is. And I think a lot of the noir genre or mystery genre tends to have more like twists and turns and, oh, it was the, it was the father-in-law after all. <laughs> right. And I think that's definitely what I don't like about the genre. I like it when it's, when it's more bleak like this. It's just, you know, a, a completely different writing style than someone like Simonon, obviously. There's no real mystery. It's like you kind of want to know where Shella is, but it's not like you're solving an equation, which is like the kind of, you know, detective genre or anything like that. It's yeah, just like no equation. Which in, <laughs> in that sense, it 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 does share some things. I think I have I have some I have complicated feelings about whether or not it's appropriate to talk about Simonon as a noir writer. Sure. Uh, but yeah. but I do think this shares with Simonon, the same sort of, as you said, Paul, a complete lack of tension. Like in Simonon, there's no tension. Like the 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 guy that you think did it from the beginning always did it. And <laughs> it's just the sort of going through the paces of like walking through the like shit swamp of like proving that he did it, but he always did it, you know? Right. And the, there's no, 
it, it's not some fucking like Agatha Christie, Rube Goldberg thing <laughs> yeah. trying to figure out that it was someone that you didn't think it was. It always was exactly what you thought it was. And this book certainly sort of has that same uh, vibe for me. And what I like about it though, what I like about in particular, like this writing style and stuff, I, I highlighted some random spot. Like, again, I think that Ghost is this just sort of figure that moves through these different iterations and instances of, of violence and born out of trauma and all this kind of stuff. Uh, and he even does this like little jab at uh, the crazy man in the abandoned building, mm -hmm. who is like the, clo the closest we get to a sort of FBI, CIA kind of. Right. Like, official, dude, like an official involvement like the federal level of this thing, which is largely absent, but he goes, um, you know, ghost goes, so the crazy man, he wants dot, dot, dot. And then the Indian goes, revenge. He lost a man. He has to make it right. But it's not like for us, it's not loyalty. It's like, I can't explain it. It's like someone fucked with his machines or something. <laughs> yes. He was, he was telling me about it. He kept saying he just needed a better plan. That's all, just a better plan. And I thought that was like, oh, that's so. I good. thought that was a an amazing summation of like that level of thinking, sort of trickling down and and still fucking people over at the at the like underground violent level of just like, you fucked with this machine. Like I just need to. I just, I'm just going to optimize this later. Like it's a tweet. You know what I mean? I'm like something. Right. This is just a bug. It's, I'll it's, think. It's so. like it's like a debugging. <laughs> yeah, I I really like that stuck out to me. Yeah. There, I mean, I think throughout the book, there, there are, there is this like weird element of, I don't know if it's honor or what, but like everyone seems to keep their word. There's no like back, there's not a lot of backstabbing. I don't think. Uh, that's not true. Monroe literally tries to have him assassinated right at the beginning. Oh yeah, you're right. I think I'm just yeah. thinking of, uh, I'm thinking of the, after that. The Native Americans <laughs> are the... <laughs> The native, the Native Americans are the only, I think, significantly the only true brotherhood. They're still steeped in violence and and returning that violence. But yeah, well, I was just thinking of of the keymaster. Uh, <laughs> he like he, he does keep his word, even though he didn't yeah, really have. Yeah, he does. Well, but, but he you know, does it because the the Native American oh, guy. Yeah, the Native Americans are like, we're gonna kill you. That if he does it, they're gonna kill him. Yeah, that's true. Yeah, and he still also wants his fucking equations to to work out to be that the white supremacist guy is dead as well because he's a domestic terrorist, and so you still get the sense that he's just you know ghost is a new like fucking variable that he's plugging and chugging yeah. into his. I mean, he's into like, whatever. He's a little bit like Neo. <laughs> <laughs> ghost, he's like. <laughs> touching a fucking <laughs> a karate gi and he's like i know kung fu yeah that's <laughs> <laughs> yeah like he's he, kind of that's when true. he like learns to shoot guns or whatever they're like oh you're a natural i know you're the one oh, i think they right. actually one one issue that i did have from the mauler perspective just the sort of like Ugh, YouTube, find YouTube critic plot hole. Ugh. Yeah. Why introduce this mysterious figure with the bow? 
and never bring her back. Yeah. Yeah, it, it felt like it was trying to sort of like, like he felt like maybe he needed another female character to be kind of more on equal yes. footing. Yeah, and it was but just But she like, never comes back. She's there for literally like three paragraphs. She walks out of the woods and hands him a bow <laughs> and he shoots it. And she's like, one, and just leave. Yeah. Like, what the yeah, hell? That was so <laughs> kind of dumb. He was like, who are you, Jet Lee the one? <laughs> He shot a bow and arrow, and she was like, "Nice." <laughs> yeah, I didn't. I, I agree with you there. That was, it's a I was because I, I was like, "Oh, I was like, oh, cool," you know, because I'm like predicting from like a dumb, you know, pay payoff standpoint, payoff perspective. Like, oh, he's going to be in a position where a white supremacist is about to shoot him, and he's going to get an arrow through the heart. She's going to be waiting in the woods or whatever. Right. Protecting him. And she just yeah. never comes back ever. Like And even if she was there and shot the boy supremacist with a with a bow and arrow, wouldn't that would have also been stupid in a certain way? Yeah, yeah. it would have been really dumb. They would have been like, Oh, they're definitely Native Americans that are after <laughs> <laughs> It's a hundred hundred percent I had a feeling, but now I know for sure. I, yeah. I will I will say I I it took me a while. Like I wasn't ex I wasn't sure how to feel about the imagery of a group of shadowy Native Americans like circling the white person's compound in the night. Like, I'm not, I'm not yeah. that, that, that's not exactly like the best sort of imagery. Yeah, I, I, I maybe it's I mean, supposed I to be this it. kind of I like get why he did it, but, but tit for tat kind of thing, but you know, yeah. One, like, one literally, they were the white people were literally circling the wagons. <laughs> yeah, exactly. One Mahler moment I had that I have since discounted in my own brain was yep. um, when he's escaping from the compound. There's a moment where he's like, I wish I underlined it, but he's like, and in this moment, I knew that I would never see Shella again. And then he obviously does see Shella again. Right. But at first I read that as like, when I, when I got to the section at the end with where you see Shella, I was like, I remember that line and I was like, well, you're looking at her. What are you talking? That line makes no sense. Mauler. I'm mallering this moment. But I think it actually does make sense because he sees Shella, but she isn't who he remembered her being. She's wasted away. He, he is never going to see who he remembers Shella as ever again. She's going to die. She's already wasted away and dying. So I actually thought that line was actually good after I thought about it with my brain. Nice, dude. Yeah, thank you. <laughs> I just found the, the line that Murray says where, you know, <laughs> he's like, why did you join up, John? I hate N-words, I told him. Yeah, I know, me too. As much as anybody. But, like, part of it I guess I, I wanted to have friends too, real friends. Do you get it? <laughs> so much more pathetic than I even remember. Yeah, it was so pathetic. And so <laughs> oh man. Do you want to do uh, everyone's favorite segment? Uh, we just did read another book. Yeah, let's do it. AKA, so, um, if you don't know, sorting hat. Which sorting hat? Uh, you don't know because this is the first time we've ever done this on a recording. 
This is unless, where we, we, unless, we, re, uh, unless we release this episodes later. Potentially. <laughs> unless we release this episodes later and we decide this is going to be something that you listen to later after you've listened to another episode, you may <laughs> not know what we're doing. Okay. We're going to, we're going to, we're going to put all of the characters, the main characters into a Harry Potter house. And yeah. And you're just going to deal with it. And, and you're going to deal with it and you're going to sit there and listen to it. Because, <laughs> uh, you know, everyone always says, Oh, I love Harry Potter. Oh yeah. Read another book. Well, guess what? We just did. So we did, we get to put we earned this Harry Potter house. Now we did earn it. All right, so yeah. should we just start at the top, the the the, the big ticket item, or do you want to start with someone's <laughs> someone a uh, little the, bit? The man of the hour, ghost. ghost. Where is he sitting? John Smith. I would say Gryffindor for me. <laughs> <laughs> can you? Do you have would, any, can, can you like? Okay. My my one word sentence, or maybe two sentences, would be that you can be a Gryffindor and still be a little bit psychotic. That's true, and that is a misconception about Gryffindor. You can be a Hufflepuff and rape. <laughs> we said that was a that's when Hufflepuffs can rape is a big part of our. That's a big thing. Yeah. Yeah. If, if you, you need to sum up our podcast to your friends. Just say Hufflepuff <laughs> can rape. Hufflepuff can rape. <laughs> Write a paper on it. I'm gonna say that though that uh, Ghost is Hufflepuff for me. I actually was gonna say he was Hufflepuff as well. He's Are you most... just saying that because he's like fucking stupid? Like, no, like, uh, <laughs> like, no, dog. Forrest Gump <laughs> and all, all dumb people. No, are no, I'm saying that because I'm saying no, no, I'm not. I'm saying that because he follows Come through on, on his word and he's loyal to the people that he gives his word to, and he's yes. okay, well, an amazing, there's, amazing friend. There's no heroism in. Yes, it's not about bravery. Well, I mean, okay, Matt is frozen for me. He'll come back. He... All right. Well, I mean, for me, I guess you have to like think about what. I lose you guys. You're back. You're back now, Matt. All right. Sorry, bros. I think I, was... I think of Ghost as being brave, even though it's not like he's facing any fears. He just he acts brave in. Very... But isn't that isn't that the isn't that what makes the distinction important is yes. overcoming yeah, a fear overcoming yes. a fear right. r2d2 yeah. is not brave he's a robot i yeah. would actually <laughs> yeah i think that he is uh, for sure definitely. brave is not that's the thing brave does not describe a set of objective relations brave is a subjective description right it's about something it's about you doing something that is uh beyond your sort of self uh, understanding, right? You're doing something that's more than you thought yourself capable of. Yes. You know, well, if, I mean, if I'm, you know, just, if I'm, uh, and this goes uh, back to Aaron, this is this is this is an Aristotelian point about the virtues and finding I mean, the mean. Bringing out your fucking philosophy robe with this one. Yes, I'll put it on. <laughs> I have it. <laughs> if I'm someone, if I'm like a, a, a formally trained soldier who has a reasonable expectation of winning a fight and I go into that fight, I'm not brave. I'm just normal. I'm, I'm rational. Like that's what I do. That's what I'm doing. Bravery involves now, of course you can be too, too brave, which is Aristotle calls foolhardiness. But I think bravery has to do like, if you don't have any investment in your own life or the lives of anybody else, like it can't be called bravery. And that's what Ghost is doing. 
but well, he, I think, but he yeah. is fucking loyal. Yes. I do agree, and maybe I maybe my position will change, and he is a Hufflepuff. But I I, I do want to. It is interesting because it's important. He talks so much about his like early on in his life, like closing off of emotions. Like I'm not going to be sad because this happened one time when I cried, and this bully hit me in the face. So I learned not to not to cry anymore. Right. So just because you're closing off your emotions and maybe closing off fear as an emotion, does that discount the fact that you did a brave act, like infiltrate a fucking Nazi? Uh, I think I, I, I think I, I I think this is where you're off the rails. Bravery <laughs> is not about acts. Bravery is about people. Yeah. Acts are not brave. People are brave. Acts are so, so, so you could have the same exact act, right? Two different people could infiltrate the Nazi compound to assassinate the leader. And they could do the exact same thing. One of them could be brave and the other one could not be brave. The act is not brave. It's the person that's brave. I think we have, might have to, we might have to dive into this more, but let's let's I mean, let's I, help I, I, it I for now. Well, we'll we'll table it. We'll we'll table it for now. We'll we'll table the discussion. Well, so let's let's get this on the record formally. Matt, what house is is Ghost? He's a Hufflepuff. I say Hufflepuff. Paul, I'm gonna say Gryffindor. Okay, still. that's fine. It might right. be bitter, but I'm gonna say Gryffindor. Sorry, healthy healthy debate. Healthy. <laughs> okay, um, let's talk about the title character, Shella. Slytherin. I'm gonna have to say Slytherin. Yeah, I, but this is another one of those instances where I don't want to just say Slytherin because she does bad things. No, I actually, I, I think she's Slytherin as well. I, she yeah. reminds me of she reminds me of Draco Malfoy in the sense that she uh... damaged by her father. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, I. But she's not like a weakling like Mal Malfoy. Right, Mal Malfoy is also a little soy boy. He's a soy boy. For <laughs> <laughs> sure malfoy, but malfoy picks out the soy flavored beans from the birdie bots <laughs> he's like uh only oops all, oops, all soy <laughs> i think uh i think he's a i think uh god damn it i think shell is a slytherin because she's taken the evil route with you know inherited violence and uh also she i think she's fairly manipulative and uh powerful and i don't think she's courageously dealing at all with uh her past because that would mean she would like find a healthy outlet or some sort of way to cope she did, and she did try build. to come back to ghost originally she did, but she didn't try as hard as Ghost. But but when she if she ever got back to Ghost, like their whole fucking arrangement is still evil. It's like fun. they're still yeah, they're still just luring shitty guys into thinking they're gonna have sex and then they get murdered. Yeah, like, true. Well, still, I mean, I, I have to go back to the statement though that Hufflepuffs can rape. So like anyone in those any any person in any <laughs> house could be a serial murderer. So you can't. Yeah. I, I don't think that that's the reason why she's a Slytherin for me. I think I find her to be like brave in the way that a Gryffindor can be brave. I, I find her personality a little Gryffindory, 
but I do think that when it comes down to her loyalty to Ghost and her kind of like sense of giving up about finding him or pursuing him and just kind of accepting that this is the way it is, I find that to be a little bit more Slytherin than Gryffindor. Yeah. All right. I'm convinced. I, I agree. Okay. So I, I once again, I you're going to say what? I think she's Slytherin. I agree. Yeah, it's cunning, ambitious, like, what were the other fucking It's not, a, I don't think she's ambitious. She's fatalistic. Yeah. But I, but that, but that, that's why, that's my hang up, is that Slytherins think they can rise above fate. They can control the fucking world, right? Like, they're the ones who have the power. And I don't think she has that view. Like, she's, she is manipulative. She is, um, you know, a, 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 um, sort of a bad kind of corrupting influence, but she's not ambitious. Is not does not check out. Not ambitious, but at least power hungry. Like even if she's not in a position in her life, cunning. Cunning is the other one. Okay, that, okay, Paul, that actually just clicked with me. Power hungry. That's why she's a she becomes a dominatrix. Obviously, it's for shitty. It's for it's for a, a, a obviously understandable reasons because of her background. Yeah. Okay. They're not, they're not exactly ambitious reasons, but like I think right. a power hungry notion is like Slytherin to me. All right. Yeah. Find up. She's and, yeah, and who who better to partner with a Slytherin than a Hufflepuff? Some sort of Puppy dog loyal. loyal. Yeah, yep. exactly. That's right. why they click. My parents are, are listening to the... This podcast? The, the Kamala. The yeah, the Kamala. Oh, Pence God. Debate. I'm so glad I'm not watching that shit. <laughs> uh, do we want to even analyze other characters? Like, like I feel like it's so... I want to do Murray. I, I, okay, we'll do Murray. But... Murray is a Hufflepuff. Yeah. Yeah. Hufflepuff. He's, Most... he's, he's, he, 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 he just wants friends and he wants to be a good friend. <laughs> I think I think the whole white supremacist right white supremacist organization is supposed to be largely Hufflepuff. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's just so counterintuitive. Yeah. Yeah, they want to. They want to be Slytherin so bad, but they want to be Death Eaters, terrible. but they're really not. And that's where J.K. Rowling got her own book wrong. <laughs> <laughs> Once again, J.K. Rowling got her own book wrong. <laughs> um, do we want to talk about the the Indian? Not my Wait not my name. His actual name in the book. Yes. Uh, Actual name. I want to say Ravenclaw, but is that racist? <laughs> yes. Yes, it is. <laughs> you just think he wears a literal Ravenclaw around his neck and a fucking necklace? Yeah. Yeah, that is racist, bro. Because he's seen like 50 hawks in his life and he, they have claws. So. I don't know, bro. <laughs> I think I mean... I mean it. No, I think he could be Ravenclaw. I don't think it, I don't think that's a weird I don't think it's a weird uh, uh, designation. I was kind of I was joking mostly, but like you know. Uh, what else? Yeah, I but I mean, of course, he could be. You know, he could be the sort of uh, uh, apex of Hufflepuffness, where there it's like this mutually reinforcing 
brotherhood of loyal people who will do anything for each other. That actually makes more sense to me now, and I'm going to say Hufflepuff. All right. Yeah, Hufflepuff. I think you're right. I said Gryffindor originally, but maybe that's me being right. I think the thing is, this entire book is defined by corrupted and psycho Hufflepuffs. <laughs> yeah. Like, it's just all people that have been burned so badly and are in such horrible contexts of violence that they just, they absolutely need everyone else to be, like, unquestionably loyal. Yes. And that's and the they, only and way they're going to the make sense to them. Right, exactly. I think one just one thing I'm confused about, or I want to talk about about Hufflepuffs, is like <laughs> more Hufflepuff if you're more loyal to an organization, not starting, mm. or to a person. Oh, that's a good question. That's actually not a bad. I, I guess it's more, more a matter of how you can direct the loyalty, and the loyalty stands alone as a quality of Hufflepuff, like which is why you get easy corruptions of loyalty but the predilection to be loyal is awful puff right does that make sense yes i think that's a good point i mean i think it's a really good question because yeah in some ways i i associate loyalty to an organization with slytherin craven fear and wanting to hide right. in a like, group like like want, wanting to wanting to sort of cl climb an organizational ladder and sort of like, you know, being the sort of like, uh, you know, model employee, everyone, you know what I mean? Like that kind of thing. Like that to me is Slytherin. It's, but more, it's more conducive to like power plays and yes. sizing people up as like op obstacles that you can climb over and stuff. Which like in our sort of like late, you know, neoliberal context is expressed as organizational loyalty, right? Yeah. You are you are looking out for the best. Uh, uh, you're looking out for the best interests of the organization, but but also yourself, right? As, well, defi as defined think, by your advancement. Right. I think that that difference is huge, though. It's like if you're loyal to an organization, that's one thing. But if you're loyal to an organization, with keeping in mind that you actually are looking out for yourself within that organization and your own, like rise up to a higher position that makes you more slytherin than hufflepuff right yeah if you're actually like if you're like loyal to like the yankees though or something like that like a fan like a fandom is i okay okay that, i think i think that's a different sort of question i never i didn't i don't think like fandoms are are loyal are like organ are examples of organizational loyalty i was thinking of like I was thinking of like people who like work at Walmart and like tell on their coworkers that steal. Yeah. And, and, and then get promoted to like night manager. You know what I mean? No, it's Slytherin, Paul. That's Slytherin. I don't know. I don't know. It depends. On what? Well, I think there's an element. This is the, of like this is the most. We are more engaged. I love that we're so. Much are more we more engaged in this conversation? Emotionally invested as soon as the house has come out. <laughs> We're not even talking about the book anymore. It's just, it's just <laughs> like Walmart employee, <laughs> the, the Walton family's bottom line. And we're like, is it right, Slytherin? Right, we'll, we'll table this. I think this will yeah, we'll come back <laughs> eventually. Um, <laughs> oh, and of course it will come back. Yeah. Did we, do, <laughs> do we care to assign a house to Monroe? 
Monroe seems pretty Slytherin. I think so. Yeah. What about Misty? Um, Hufflepuff. Yeah, Misty. Let's talk about Misty. Hufflepuff. Hufflepuff. Yeah. But maybe Gryffindor. She does some brave stuff, even though she's like. No, she again. If she was, all these people, it's. I think we're like precluding Gryffindor basically, because I, I the assumption is if you're brave, then you can break out of these cycles that these people are in, or like they would do. I don't. I I I do not. I'm not endorse that claim. I'm not married no. to that idea, but just like I think it's rare to find such a person in the contexts that we're talking about. Right. Maybe. I think those are the those are the main ones that I thought were relevant house designations. Yeah, I think did anybody, we should we keep a database of this? Did anybody write these down? No, 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 and we shouldn't. We shouldn't. Uh, I think we probably should. I think there there should be a wiki page. <laughs> Let's just go with our our numerical scores at the end database. Let's do that soon, see. actually, because I want to get some more alcohol at Stewart's, and I got th- uh, thirty four minutes to do it. So Why? All right. Because they're going to close. Well, okay. I want to talk about everyone's second to favorite segment, which is the least favorite segment, the one that I am forcing us to do again, which is who directs this movie? This book. <laughs> oh, man. Um, obviously, I, Steven Spielberg, because he already directed Forrest Gump. Who's the fucking <laughs> dude who did, uh, who did Dragged Across Pavement? Or F. Craig Zoller. Yeah, that's that, who that I was want. a good one. That was a good. That's a good one. Yeah, I think this is actually exactly what this that motherfucker. I agree. I think I said this to you, do. Paul, in a text. Well, Gabe, you said the guy who directed um, uh, because concrete. Yeah, Bone same Tomahawk. guy. It's same guy. Same guy. Oh, yeah. same guy. Okay. Yeah, that would be good. I, I mean, actually, think, I think I would actually think, elevate the material. I was also thinking potentially Abel Ferrara, Bad Lieutenant. Uh, Yes, dude. Yeah, that would be good. I think he would do a really good job. Maybe Paul Schrader. Paul Schrader. What's wrong with Paul? What of Taxi Driver? Oh yeah. Was there a Max Payne movie? There was. There was. It it had Mark Wahlberg. Yeah, the guy did that movie. Then that's my pick. <laughs> it's like fucking. It just sounds like it's Uwe Bowl, but I'm not sure. Yeah, either. it's. Uh, <laughs> I think the guy, okay, here's why. Here's who me personally. Who's who I really would want to direct this movie? William Lustig, who directed the original Maniac slasher movie and yeah, bro. Maniac Cop one, two, and three, because I okay. think he is able to capture the like brutal unthinking violence but also the psychopathology of of someone like ghost uh i think i think it would be great and and i thought about the drive guy and it turns out with, with no, not uh, ref, ref, with, not ref, right now, two stylized but yeah a24 a22 fun fun fact <laughs> William Lustig is working with Nicholas Wingdings Winding Reference on, <laughs> on a remake of Maniac Cop with a new director. That's cool. That's actually That's pretty exciting. 
kind of interested in that. Yeah, I, I, I like I like Son of. It's Son the guy of, who directed the, the most recent um, Universal Soldier movies. Huh. I don't know. Yeah, I don't know that. So the thing is, we're 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 modernizing and dusting off essentially seventies and eighties like horror gritty realism directors. Well, I mean, I, if there's someone more recent, I think then let's let, let's talk about it. I think just the dragged across concrete or whatever guy. Yeah, is 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 that Baller. the kind of guy? Yeah, the, the the absolutely bizarre tone and like fucking worldview of his movies. I think fits with this a bit. I think he would do a really good job. And let's call him up, Craig S. Craig S. Craig. How do we address him, <laughs> Craig T. Nelson? S or S. Craig? <laughs> S. Hello, ass crack. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Yes, neg him. I thought of another director. We're gonna pua. We're gonna pua get this guy into a into making a movie. Because um, I thought the best character in the whole uh, story was the the uh, computer man. I think we'd have to go with the Wachowski sisters. Let's get that Jupiter ascending sort of speed racer sheen on this thing. There's no way they would do it because they, they, they know they ripped it off to begin with. They did. Yeah. Uh, they wouldn't want that out. The they want to be far from the scene of the crime. You know what I mean? What about, okay, what about like, um, what, about, uh, what about the old boy guy, Park Chan Wook? That would be good. I still don't think so. I think it's too stylized. I yeah, think, yeah, uh, yeah. That's my, that's my hang on. Yeah, I think we kind of. I, I feel like we we named a, a decent three. I think the I think the Bone Tomahawk I would do a great job. Yeah, I think I think he would do a really good job with this book. Because I mean, I think this like if if I think about this movie actually being translated to film, I feel like someone would try to sin cityize it, right? And it would be like too flashy, too speed racer. But if someone like made it like <laughs> too sucking of balls, like hard boiled noir bone tomahawk right and it brings out like the actual psych psychological elements who directed who directed payback with mel gibson i do not know anyway i feel like we did it we named we named the good directors that would actually do a good job also whoever whoever worked on the new um perry mason show that show was awesome. Whoever was involved in that show, I would be interested in seeing them direct this as a movie. I haven't seen it, so I'm going to just take your you word You haven't for seen it? it? Oh, man, it's really good. Okay. One of the best new shows on HBO, for sure. Loved cool. it. That would be... I would be interested in seeing what they did. Um, should we do uh, star ratings? Yes. Mm-hmm. So we have... Um, uh, an infinite number of digits between numbers, but it's one through five. <laughs> right. Yeah. There's it's point however long you want to go. Point but uh, I'm going. I'm going. Uh, I'm going three point six. Nice. Okay. Thanks. <laughs> I'm actually glad. I'm glad. I, I was. I was a little worried that this was going to like fall flat the whole time I was reading it. So. Um, I'm gonna go three point five five. Come on, bro. That's just my score. I know. I just. I, but that's like what. Just, just say it. I had in my head, 
and I didn't want to be exact. <laughs> All right. I mean, that's basically where I'm at. Yeah. I'm like, I'm like three, six. Uh, I definitely want to read. I will. I want I'm going to, I'm, I am going to buy his Batman book and I'm going to read it. I was actually going to say sure. that. Out of all the other books that I read about, I didn't know about that one, but that's the one I would be interested in. For and I'm sure. and I and I would like to read some of his uh his detective series, his Burke uh Burke novels because I love I love a good I mean this is one of the other ways that I think that his writing sort of overlaps with Simenon despite all the differences. Right. They're very like churn churnable novels about the same detective that you can read yeah. in like a solid three hours and like right. be done. Um, and that's what that's what Agatha Christie did too, right? Like, right. Yeah. But she had hundred novels. Shit. Yeah. But still, you know, um, I do like think that's that... another area of overlap where I, I want to read the Batman book and I will probably buy uh one or two of the other books as well. So yeah, it's like a three, 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 six, three, five for me for sure. All right, we're all on the same page with this one, actually. I think so. Yeah. Cool. Uh, and uh, for anyone who's listening, again, if like if this is is indeed going up, like we did do a number of uh, books prior, and uh, we're going to put up all the like non-recorded sessions that we had, just so you get a sense of the reading list and like where it's been going, uh, and we'll keep it updated as as we continue. But you can see. All the books we've read that were no, had no episode attached with the scores. Yep, there's uh, a Google, there's a Google Doc, and uh, yeah, we can. We'll just so you can hassle us about consistency or whatever. <laughs> fuck that, that, and we just become Anthony Fantano, <laughs> where we're just like, <laughs> you gave damn a seven, just the whatever. Yeah, oh, and Andrew, everybody, Anthony, and book, Anthony Book Tano here, internet's busiest <laughs> book nerd. <laughs> Reading a lot of words. Internet's busiest bookworm. Book <laughs> <laughs> nice. Little Tim, okay. Tim Heidecker squint at the end. <laughs> uh, all right, cool. And Andrew think... Max, if you're out there and you enjoyed our review. Did you say uh, Andrew Max? Anthony Vax, come on the show. Come on the show. Read the next book. You it's know? not going to be one of your books. Yep. It's not going to be yours. We already did that. That would be really <laughs> cool. That would be awesome to have an author come on and read just another book. Anything. Yeah. yeah. But let's not let's not get ahead of ourselves. Let's Smart. just wish the audience a uh, a good rest Happy of their New day. Year. It's yeah, probably. <laughs> happy Halloween. I don't know what the fuck. But, happy Halloween. You know. Happy uh, winter solstice. Happy Thanksgiving. Happy, happy Thanksgiving. Christmas. Merry Christmas. Merry Christmas. Merry and happy Christmas. Easter. And we'll see you on. And we will see you many times before all of those holidays. Bye. And we and we love you. And we're in love with you. Bye. <laughs>